Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's up, my friends? My name's Kyle. I surf, I make movies, and I love asking questions. These are conversations with fascinating people I meet along the way. And boy, oh boy, do we have a good episode coming up. This conversation is with Amy Baldwin. Amy is a good friend of mine and a certified sex educator. And in this episode, we talk about, you guessed it, sex. If this conversation offends you and you want to head over to my website, kyle.surf, to write me some hate mail, I urge you to ask yourself the question, why it offends you so much. Then continue with your demon letter. But I did my best to cover this taboo subject in an honest and a helpful way. And I, I don't think it'll offend you. Most of you know what's up. Most of you like to get your freak on. And I hope that uh, after this conversation, you become even more of a sex warrior than you are currently. And if you like this podcast, give it a rating on iTunes. Share it with a friend. And you can head over to my website, kyle.surf, to donate. Even just a buck a month helps me out. And you will be entered into a monthly raffle where I give away all kinds of goodies that will last you for years. All right. Without further ado, let's talk about sex. Kyle Cameron here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. So voice recorder, got it. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Um, when someone asks you what you do, how do you answer that question? Oh, wow. That's a big question. Um, I say that I am a sex educator, a somatic sex and relationship coach. I also co-own an adult store with my mom, a mother-daughter boutique. I'm also a sex toy rep for a couple brands as well. So I wear lots of hats in the sex industry. And when I give that whole spiel, usually people are like, what's a somatic sex and relationship coach? And so that's where I have a whole a whole nother line on what that is too. What is a... Somatic sex and relationship coaching. So it's different from traditional sex therapy and sex coaching in that... We really, um, we kind of develop an intimate relationship with our clients. So what we're doing is, for the most part, we're healing old attachment wounding and teaching people about secure attachments through us. So people will come in and they're like, I can't have orgasms with my partner. And usually it comes back to their childhood and their parenting, whether the parents were present or abandoned them or um, or first their first sexual experiences or first partners, the messages that they got about sexuality. And so it's usually the orgasm is kind of like the surface thing in regards to safety, feeling safe and accepted and cared for. And um, so, yeah, so we become that for them. We're not just sitting across the room and like, so tell me how you feel. We're really in this intimate space with them. They, we, we develop a bond. We make them feel really safe and connected to us. 
Uh, and it's genuine too, of course, because I love all of my clients. And we also use touch as a modality. Very PG-13 touch over the clothes. Um, but like if I was going to show someone how to uh, actively receive, I would touch them over their clothes, you know, along their arm or their leg and check in with them. Like what is what's going through your head right now? Are you in your body? And it's so touch is on the table in a very um, like safe and following, following boundaries as well. Yeah. Uh, do people just overshare with you all the time when you tell them what, what you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, it's I like mean, you're yeah. like at a party, like, oh, what do you do? Or like, oh, well, I'm a certified sex educator. And they're like, oh, my God, I've been waiting to talk to someone about this yes. forever. It definitely inspires. And people are always like, why do your conversations always turn into sex talk? And just I think people really want to talk about these things. They just don't really have a lot of those outlets to get out there and because there's so much shame and judgment and there isn't a lot of safe places for them. Some people don't even have friends that they can talk about sexuality with. So, yeah, and, it just kind of inspires them. And they feel judged. Mm-hmm. And there are these taboo subjects. The most popular podcast I've done so far has been with Jim Fadiman. Mm-hmm. And we talk about psychedelics. And the way that he described it is that he's like this beacon now, right? Mm-hmm. Like wherever he goes, it, it's hard for him to even imagine that psychedelics are still a, t- a taboo mm-hmm. subject because people see him as this safe person to be able to talk honestly um, about it with and I would yeah. imagine that it's similar with you yeah well, it was I'm about normalizing it because it's something you know we all came from sex most of us have in your adult life have had some sort of sex whatever however you want to define that or we are having some sort of sexual contact and yet it's like this one this universal thing that we're kind of connected to each other with through and that but we can't talk about it so it's it's interesting and psychedelics too. I mean, there's just all the programming that we have that when we were told when we were younger, you know, don't do drugs, don't have sex till you're married or whatever, you know, whatever the message was, is all these taboos thrown into a little box of don't do this, you shouldn't do that, you should do this. So. What are some of the big false assumptions about sex that you've had to break in your own life? Mm, for myself, um, the idea that I needed to kind of be a certain way, so kind of following the norms, and uh, it was it was a journey to discover that I was my own sexual being, and, and it's not the same as other people. We're all so so different. So, I'm um, trying to figure out really who who I am and what that is, and what that looks like, and what that feels like, and. Uh, it's been it has been quite a journey. I haven't always called myself a sexually empowered woman, and that's not probably not until the last like five years and really honing into it in my thirties. So I would say that's the biggest thing. And also, um, the idea of um, of kind of conforming in sexuality, not just the way we are as sexual beings, but in regards to the touch that we receive, a lot of folks, especially women and men as well, are um, receiving touch that just feels okay or you're not even that fabulous not even good but they're not voicing what it is that they want because of that shame you know I don't want to seem like I'm too much or I don't want to seem like I'm frigid or um, or I already started so I can't stop or press pause and so learning that I am my own active creator in my sexuality has been such a journey it's been a reprogramming because I was kind of like one of the little robots that just thought I was supposed to be a certain way and yeah it's been a journey yeah, it, it hasn't, um, you know, most people are get their sex, sex education from porn, mm-hmm. right? And porn is this, um, I mean, it's this weird enigma in itself that's even hard to describe because there's so many types of it. But one thing that is, um, that tends 
to be consistent throughout it is that it's this very goal oriented mm-hmm. um it's this very goal oriented activity right mm-hmm. where it's like we're gonna go 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 until we get to the orgasm then like achievement right mm-hmm. and but the way that you talked about it and one thing that i really appreciate is that is to explore sexuality as more of a journey yeah yeah so yeah most people are get from point a to point b and point a is the beginning you know we're starting to touch and drop into our bodies and point b is orgasm and missing out on all the yummy stuff and the in between that's another thing i've had to unlearn for my own uh, sexual self as well and yeah porn is their number one educator it's so easily accessible this is where people are uh, watching kind of their first pornographic scenes right so that's it's showing them this is what sex is supposed to look like this is what genitals look like this is how you're supposed to move and treat each other and it's so inaccurate unless you're really lucky and find some really awesome uh, progressive porn that uh, treats bodies with reverence and respect which is rare and yeah it's the worst oh my as an educator for anal worst thing ever as an educator <laughs> for or like threesomes or it's just there's no conversation there's no dialogue it's just like shove it in and here we are I'm ready to go and it is so goal oriented and it programs people to be that way and they miss out on all the good stuff that can happen when we're not so driven to get somewhere right and it can be really damaging because as a kid in high school who's had most of your education come from porn and then you try some of this stuff it can be super traumatizing and then you hold that with you for the rest of your life or until you come across someone like amy who can say (laughs) hey this isn't actually the way that it needs to be yeah let's get clear people yeah and i'm and i'm doing that you know in my sex ed classes but people have to already be on the mission for empowering themselves as sexual beings so and some people are just terrified of that and they're just kind of stuck in one way of thinking that this is how sex is supposed to be so yeah i mean how how else would they know how else do they find out and the point isn't changing you know there's certain aspects of it where certain directors producers that are coming out with you know they're actually showing like the safer sex conversations and putting lubrication on and the and maybe even like the follow-up after they've had sex they're all sitting down and like oh let's recap and what we just did here oh this is wonderful very rare though very very rare this is in and out we're done that's it no hugs no snuggles just done right Mm -hmm. um what do you think um if if you could talk to uh a a class Mm -hmm. of maybe 10 high school students Mm -hmm. who are really smart really engaged and want to know about this stuff what would you say um, would be the first few lessons that you would teach them? Oh, I actually just started teaching a workshop to it's to middle schoolers and their parents. So it's 11 to 13 year olds, which I think is a really important age because in high school, a lot of kids have already started having some sort of sexual into contact or sex or penetrative sex. And so they're already in the trial and error phase. So um, it was really important to get to them, uh, to the kids before they're already out there and experiencing all these things. It's interesting to teach them these middle schoolers are so terrified. They're so quiet and, lo- and they're all on different levels, you know, right? Like one 11 year old has never even really considered masturbation. Another 11 year old has been masturbating since they were six. I don't, I mean, I don't know this. I can kind of tell what information is going over some kids' heads and some kids are really resonating with it. But it's a really hard uh, age group to get through to, but it's really important work. I think our high schoolers, it'll be easier to get through to them. If I was in high school or when I was in high school, I would have loved 
to hear more about female sexual pleasure because we live in this world with a model that's very penis centric. It's very cock centric and um, in regards to uh, penis pleasure and and the model even regards into like the sexual energy and arousal is kind of at the same following the same idea of what most uh, what I would call testosterone driven people so men um, what they experience whereas estrogen driven people have a whole different experience you know it takes it takes um, it takes the vulva four times as long to get more the, to get the same blood flow that a penis would it just takes longer it's just this is like this internal anatomy that takes longer and so when just because the penis is ready doesn't mean the vulva is ready but we live in this model that's kind of like well one you know the cock's ready let's go it's time to go why aren't you ready why are you taking so long so I think to teach young men and women that um, that 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 female sexual pleasure that, that women are just as entitled to pleasure and arousal and orgasm as men, and that they might take longer, and that um, and that they just function differently, and to be considerate of that, and, and to check in and communicate. People, I think that's another thing is people assume that we were born knowing how to have sex and how to have good sex. That's not true. I mean, sure, we know how to stick something in something or, you know, but we don't really know. We don't have the tools to ask for what we want, to even understand what we want and uh, to connect on that level. So and communication itself is such a hard thing for people. It's really vulnerable. It's really terrifying. So what are some of those specific tools that you would provide um, to this group? Either to this group, the young people. Yeah. Oh wow, the young people. Yeah. This, well, this is our first round of doing this. Doing let, this let, class. Let, let's do yeah. high school. Because, yeah, high school. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that they're, although they have been involved in it for mm-hmm. longer, it'll just be more applicable. Applicable to yeah. some of the people listening. Yeah. Well, if you're teaching, I mean, maybe I have a ton of nine-year-olds listening. But yeah, I, don't I doubt think so. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, just in terms of those tools of communication, what does that actually yeah. look like? Yeah, um, I think the the first thing for people is we get so caught up in the story, and um, what's really helpful is to just speak about the actual feelings, and that involves some embodiment. We have to feel our body to understand the feelings. A lot of us are just living so in our heads, especially if we have a lot of insecurities. You know, like what do I look like? Am I am I taking too long? What do I smell like? What are they thinking? What am I gonna have for breakfast? You know, all that stuff, and. If we're able to get out of that and come into the body, then we can actually feel what I'm actually feeling. Like, am I feeling scared, nervous, excited, aroused? Where am I feeling aroused? Is it my genitals? Like, are they are they turned on? Are they tingling? Uh, what do I need more of? What do I need less of? So, um, and that's of course is probably already over any high schooler's head. But um, I think just letting them know or or educating them on how to get in their bodies and make choices from the feeling of what their body wants and not just from the head because the head also gives us all the social messages of what we should what we should want so coming into the body and into the heart and this is why i think meditation is a fabulous practice for everything everything in life of course like everything is a meditation and everything is practice but for sex in general you know if young people knew how to the simple practice of meditating they would already have the tools to be able to feel and think from their bodies and not from their their minds so maybe even starting with that like teach them how to meditate and teach them how to feel into their hearts and into their you know their gut and make choices from there as opposed to what the head is telling them they should do right and um and having it be a personal experience Mm -hmm. like when i was in high school and i started having sex it was such a social experience. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's one of those, it shouldn't be, and I think that it has gotten less and less 
like that as I've gotten older. But it's one of these things where it's like the popular girl, the popular guy, like don't tell your friends. Like it is mm. this, it's this social experience that's so impersonal. Yeah. Um, and I do think that getting out of that framework and into a more personal and and feeling oriented um, experience would be a good first step as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's so much. And then that's like the thing about high school. I have a niece in high school and she actually has, is having a great experience in high school with a really great support system. Um, but, you know, I was letting her know, like, this is the hardest time. When you're in college, it's kind of a free-for-all. You know, all, all of our our kinks and our whatevers, not saying she's a kinky person, but just, like, whatever, you know, we can, it's it's all accepted at that point. But in high school, it's all about status because we're all stuck in this little bubble. That And it's it's just, and it's really, it's really harmful, I think, because it doesn't allow people to be free thinkers and freely express themselves unless they're super awesome and somehow just they had parents that raised them with a lot of individuality and empowerment. What's a common story that you hear from people um, that has caused them trauma sexually Mm. that you help them work through? Yeah, I I would say, I mean, there's sexual trauma that most people would think of as um, sexual or non-consensual acts of violence, of sexual violence, um, which of course is really big. And, you know, I have, a, I have a lot of people that I work with that have experienced that. Um, and then there's also just the conformity factor. People, especially women who have had sex that just didn't, that actually didn't feel good and they didn't stop it and say no. And then the body the body's very wise and it it numbs out when it knows the body knows even though you said yes you're like well it wasn't that bad it was all right i just didn't really love it if it didn't feel good the body starts to remember that and the body's like well this doesn't feel good so we're going to turn this part of you off or turn it down a little bit so you won't have as much sensation and then if you keep doing that it keeps doing it does does that more and more and more and kind of builds so i'm working with a lot of people on getting them back in tune with that part of themselves so into their bodies into their eroticism and sometimes helping them to uh, giving them homework to go tap into these parts of themselves that have turned off you know a lot of um, a lot of women have experienced just like intense thrusting and pounding and not a lot of uh, slow, slow, oh, yeah, slow and soft and slower than slow. That's what I always tell my male clients. Um, that they're, If they're really used to that, a lot of their internal anatomy is kind of turned off. The G spot, G area just kind of doesn't really like being touched. It doesn't feel much. It just feels a little uncomfortable. So really um, reawakening that part of themselves. And it's through... Um, through slow, soft, intentional touch, either with, from themselves with their own hands or with a really considerate partner that's willing to go down that route with them. Uh, what's some of the homework that you would provide? Yeah. Some of those initial steps for people. One really powerful tool that I learned from um, Charles Muir, who is a, is a Santa Cruz's, well, Boulder Creek's kind of tantra guru, and probably the tantra guru of the, the Western U.S. He's very well known. He assigns, he does this weekend workshop and it's a lot of couples that go, but singles go too. And after the first day, they do like a whole conversation on healing the sacred spot. And then there's homework that night where everyone goes home with their partners. And it's very heterosexual in his in his practices. So I'm, I'm going to speak in heterosexual terminology, which I don't like to do, but it's all, that's just how he teaches. Um, and so the man is the one holding the space for the woman, you know, and, and prepares the, the space like he, you know, in Tancho, you make everything a celebration or a ritual. It's not just like, all right, let's fuck. It's really, you know, light some candles and draw her a bath and honor her and, you know, feed her some grapes like they do with the, the Greek gods and goddesses. Like it's a real thing and it is really sexy. Why not do it? 
and then give them a full body massage really slow and sensual while connecting with them you know telling them that they're safe and that you honor them and thank you for sharing your body with me and what more can i do for you and is it too hot in here is it too you know all that stuff just being considerate humans come on be considerate and then after you've warmed up the body then when it's time to go into some genital touch uh, first of all, you check in with your partner. Like, is it okay if I put my hand on your yoni? Is what they would say in in uh, tantra world. <laughs> what's, the, <laughs> yoni? What's, what's the yoni? The yoni is the same as a vulva. It's the it pussy yoni vulva. I was always thinking about naming my kid that, but now I just am not sure. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, Hebrew there children. Are a lot, are there are a lot of yonis <laughs> yeah, in the world. Yoni is a Hebrew, very common Hebrew name. I know a lot of yonis, so yeah, you should name your kid yoni though, because that would be awesome. That would be awesome, yeah, especially if it was a guy. Um, so. So yeah, so it's time to start actually touching the vulva. One thing that a lot of vulvas have an experience is um, be uh, ha- them being allowed to invite a finger or a dildo or a penis in, as opposed to it just being shoved in. So um, there, or in a, uh, the other thing Charles says is to kind of for the man to kind of say something before, like I. I'm so honored to that you're sharing your body with me. May may I enter you now, or something along those lines, um, because a lot of people haven't really been asked that before. It's they don't they don't, and that's a really important thing for safety for them to realize. I have a choice, and this person respects that choice, and they feel like it's an honor that I'm sharing my body with them. Like this is such a special, sacred thing. And then um, when they're actually being entered to. Um, to let the finger kind of just rest at the entrance and just kind of be in la- allow- invited or allowed in as opposed to shoved in. And if you press into a vulva or into like the external vulva and you kind of pressing in, um, it'll over time just kind of open up when it's ready, you know? To, so to allow this part of the woman to invite someone is just a new concept for so many people. And so it kind of gets rid of a lot of that that trauma from the past of just like, oh, they everyone just shoves it in anyways and they don't check in with me and my body's not ready and that's usually what happens. And then once they're inside, to just rest there and just let the body kind of acclimate and feel uh, feel into each other, these two different bodies that are now connected. And then to slowly and gently for like a half an hour or an hour or however long you have, to uh, lightly touch the G-spot G area, which is on the upper part of the vaginal canal towards the belly button. Everyone knows that, well not everyone, a lot of the come hither motion up there. But not the come hither you see in porn, not the like milking the G-spot, like more like this very soft, slow touch. And it's and the person that's touching them is also touching the the, the woman with intention. So um, they're they're really just showing up as like this love warrior. Like I'm just here to hold space for you. We're not we don't have any goals. We're not trying to get anywhere. We're not trying to give you an orgasm. We're just trying to just give you some love and healing and see what happens. And what often happens is these women have like deep emotional releases like crygasms and powerful transcendent orgasms and they release all this trauma and wounding that's been hanging out inside of them from years and years of conformity and being I wouldn't call it mistreated but um, not honored uh, and I know these men aren't trying to not honor them they just don't know any better yeah and there's so much ego involved so especially much. I'm just I can't speak for women but being a man mm-hmm. you're supposed to you're expected to pretend like you know everything the first time you have sex. Because if not, you're not a man. You're not a man. Like, what are you, a pussy? Come on. Real men. Real men know exactly what to do when they're 17. (laughs) You know what? So I was, um, 
and it's what it's like what like usually one week you get sex ed mm-hmm. in uh junior yeah. high and it's all about school. the things like what not to do what not to do <laughs> yeah the dangers yeah, like, scare tactics yeah it's like this is what gonorrhea <laughs> looks like you're like ah! <laughs> i'm never having sex so um <laughs> when i was in junior high uh, i had a horrible sex ed teacher and they were talking about condoms I vividly remember this they were talking about condoms and how should always wear a condom and one of the students raised their hand behind me i was in seventh grade uh, and he said why would anyone not wear a condom during sex mm-hmm. and i'm the youngest of five i have big brothers <laughs> and sisters who would talk to me like, about I this know, stuff I and i turned back and i said well sex feels better without a condom <laughs> young kyle <laughs> 12 year old kyle and the teacher Flips. <laughs> Kyle, you need to go outside right now. Like, Shame on you. The, what did I just say? I'm yeah. sorry. And that was the extent of my sex ed. <laughs> and look at you now. <laughs> Liberated man. Well, you come a long way. <laughs> yeah, you had to teach yourself a lot. Like, well, good thing. And you had older siblings to kind of educate you. I'm sure some of it wasn't always the best, that's best stories. I'm sure a lot of it was really helpful for you, too. So, yeah, and yeah, and then that whole thing about the the teacher freaking out, like that's the shame piece that comes in. That's that this and so when so when I'm working with people in the empowerment realm, what we're doing is we're undoing layers of shame when someone freaked out and told you you can't do that. That's not okay. Like shame on you. And then people shut down. They turn off and they're like, "Oh, you know, you didn't do this. You're talking about sex now." But a lot of people will be like, "Oh, it's not safe to talk about sex." So I'm just not going to do it anymore. And then they turn that part of themselves off until many years later, they finally decide that they need to uh, or they want to undo those layers of shame so that they can actually be strong, empowered beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a common one. That's what it, yeah. Shame, shame is the biggest, biggest piece. Tell me about the misconception about the word vagina. Vagina? Why do people hate on vaginas? <laughs> oh, yeah. My recently... I always said I wouldn't do this, but now I just, in my sex ed classes, I make everyone say vagina, vagina, vagina ever again. And it makes me so happy. Um, I don't know what, you mean the actual, the actual word? Yeah, the actual like, word, because it's it's not what most people think it is. Oh, most people I think hear that, you saying, Most people uh-huh. think that the word vagina yeah. is the is all what you see. Yeah, what so you see. You, see, you see a female-bodied individual and they open their legs. You're actually seeing vulva, which is the external anatomy and vagina is the internal anatomy. Uh, so yeah, vagina isn't like isn't isn't really isn't what you see. The clitoris isn't vagina, and the lips are not vagina. It's the vaginal canal, which is the internal tunnel of bliss. <laughs> and vulva itself is a I, weird word. I am Yoni. Right? I yes. am a love word. <laughs> May I enter your internal tunnel of bliss? <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> I bet they'd say yes. <laughs> wait, 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 with that sentence, there's just. How could you not? You could not go wrong. They would turn. They would know who would turn you down. May I enter? Yoni. Yoni knows how to please the yoni. Yeah, yeah. Vagina and vulva. They got. They have a bad rap. It just. And they're just kind of was the word cacophonous, like vagina. It's just not. It's not a fun thing to for the. It doesn't roll off the tongue easily, so it makes people not want to talk about it. And so they're like, my yes, yes, and my no, no, or whatever they want to call it. Um, so yeah, I'm a pussy girl. I like pussy. Pussy makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking it back, and we took it back a long time ago. Actually, on the march that we just said the women's march, um, 
because you know we love Donald Trump the women's march that we just did everyone was like pussy power pussy power one of the kids that was in our sex ed class the 11 to 13 year old kids was like mom I thought pussy was a bad word mom's like we're taking it back <laughs> and so kids like so I can say pussy now so apparently we can pussy's back that's great yeah I love it it's a great word yeah um I wonder what uh, the Women's March is doing also for bringing up these conversations. Yeah. Probably a lot. I, I bet. Yeah, I bet it's an inspiring more conversation. I mean, and just around women's empowerment in general, but there's all the stuff with Planned Parenthood and, um, and, and most of it isn't in regards to pleasure. It's more about like the rights to our bodies. So there isn't a lot like, you know, Donald Trump's not trying to get rid of orgasms, but he is doing, there's a lot of other things that are underway there that have to do with women's Right, control. well, well, most women who who rely on Planned Parenthood for one thing or another, which mm-hmm. is a huge amount of them, don't talk about those experiences at Planned Parenthood. It's just yeah. not like, oh, hey, like I just went to Planned Parenthood and got an abortion, yeah. or oh, hey, I just um, got treatment for an STI be- and went to Planned Parenthood. But when these conversations are brought up, all of a sudden it's like, no, wait, there's a massive amount of oh, women yeah. that that have relied on this and it's really and and as a man you don't hear those conversations nearly as much it's not widely talked about yeah, it's not widely talked about oh yeah i just went to a baby shower and <laughs> three girls and i got in a conversation about how we had all had abortions at a baby shower probably not the most appropriate place but you know we, <laughs> <laughs> it just happens right. as a side conversation and it's so, so babies huh yeah well. so babies and so most of the women i know have had abortions and i mean i had an i had to have an abortion when um i had the iud and I had had it for nine years. You can have it for 12 years. So I was being safe and like, you know, taking care of my body. And I was with a partner that I've been with for three years and it still happened. And I was in no place to have a child. I was like, I don't, I'm, I'm like just starting my life. This is not time to bring a child in. Sure. Would, I'm sure it would have had a lovely life, but I, I didn't, I wasn't ready for that. And so, so just, just imagine that that wouldn't be an option. And yeah, so many women, it's so, so common. And they're so grateful to have this. And I think, um, if someone, you know, for men who don't have that as something that they have to go through, um, or women who've never had to have an abortion, we kind of take it for um, for granted because they don't really understand it, but it's really important. Right. Well, when it's not talked about, it also causes more trauma because yeah. there's no there's no release, there's no even even therapy that um, comes from having a, a traumatic experience like that happen than yeah. being able to talk about it with your friends. Yeah. Oh, I um, know. Yeah. I, I'm, because I, there is know. that shame around. It so just goes much. back to that shame that you're talking about. Yeah, and they just kind of shut down. Yeah, I clearly have absolutely no shame because I'm pretty shameless. But but I think most people do. And I mean, I remember being in that the, the room after having an abortion. There was a girl next to me and my partner came with me, but she was completely by herself and she was shaking. And I could tell that, I mean, she was in secrecy, right? She was going to leave there and probably not tell anyone and hold that trauma in for herself. And it, not only was it going to be emotional trauma, but now it's physical trauma and maybe spiritual trauma depending on where she's coming from so yeah it's 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 heavy heavy stuff to keep in secrecy that's a, the thing about shame are you familiar with Brene Brown's work yeah okay yeah she's great she's wonderful on um worthiness and shame yeah check out her TED talk yes. for anyone listening yeah vulnerability and she has really a, a lot of books and I love what she says about shame in that um 
it thrives in secrecy and silence and it dies in empathy. And so if we just keep it all to ourselves, it just grows in us. It's like bacteria in a Petri dish and it gets worse and worse and it weighs us down. We feel heavier and heavier. And some of it's so heavy that if we just even think about it, we kind of disassociate because our body is like, oh, we don't want this. But when we out it to a safe space, so someone who loves us in all of our light and all of our darkness, you know, someone is like, oh, that sounds really hard. I'm here for you. Um, then it all of a sudden has less weight. And so it's important to have those safe outlets to out these heavy things because life gives us shame all over the place. You know, it's only going to continue to do that. And so I think it's an important practice for people to kind of clear the channels and keep that, that you know, the worthiness and empowerment up to um, get rid of it when it comes their way and then also go kind of recheck their history. Like, where do I have shame and who can I out it to so it has less power over me? What were the outlets that you had um, to overcome any shame or trauma from your abortion? Um, oh, I told everyone. About it. Yeah. <laughs> I even thought about putting on Facebook because there was so much political stuff. Because this just happened. You know, this was, uh, I think Donald Trump had been elected. And this was like a month later that this happened. Or I found, no, I actually literally found out about a week after he was elected. So, um, and I'm kind of like somewhat of a small scale activist. So um, I just, every single person I know, I out that part of myself, you know, my I've out that to my family. Um, I've considered, you know, writing a blog post. And now I'm on a podcast talking about it because I think it's important. It's important to remind people that they're not alone, that there is no shame in this. And especially from where I'm coming from too. I'm coming from like, I was so, so cautious, as cautious as you can get. And here we go. Um, and even if people aren't cautious, you know, they're, it's just, it, it's, it's their right. You know, it's their right. And there shouldn't be shame around their right to choose something. Um, and I know everyone has their, like, their spiritual beliefs about it. And they're entitled to that as well. But they're entitled to that with their bodies, not someone else's. Right. Um, what would you say have been the, the best ways that you've seen for people to bring up shameful sexual experiences um, with people around them in yeah. a way that's that's comfortable because it's it's so uncomfortable for yeah. people to talk about it but I find that um, people are probably more accepting than and we think that we think yeah. they are it's, it's, yeah. it's I think similar to psychedelics and, to totally and, and that like it's one of those things where people don't generally talk about it but aren't surprised when one person actually does bring it up and and are usually really grateful well you i would say so the the issue is that if you out it to someone who can't handle it and they might shame you again right so you don't want that to happen so you can gauge people to see if they can handle it by just starting to kind of talk about sexually sexuality sexual related issues that aren't related to you like oh i saw this one thing in the news what do you think about that you know oh this abortion thing and i heard i have a friend that had an abortion blah 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 what do you think and then you can gauge their opinion you know how they show up for that how what they can handle and if you can read that that these are people who um, allow allow the experience, like the unique experiences of other individuals. You know, they'll accept them and all in their darkness and their you know in their wounding and their cracks and don't hold them to this this standard of of just impossibility. Um, then they might be safe outlets, and then you can open a conversation with just. Um, I have something that's really important to me and really hard for me, and I'm wondering if you'll just hear me. And it also, I think what's really helpful is 
to remind people that you're not looking to be fixed because people want to go in fix it mode a lot. Like, oh, how can I, what can I do for you? And don't worry, it'll be okay. It's generally the male problem. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, let me, let me fix this. Like, let me step in and be the hero here. So just let them know I have this this thing that's really important, important to me that I've been holding in and I feel like it'll be helpful for me to out it. Can you just witness me and just listen? I'm looking for someone to listen. Like, you don't even need to comment on it. Just be there for me. Um, and the right people will will hold that space for you, and all of a sudden, you're, you, it's ten times less heavy than it was before. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the more yummy stuff, oh, as yummy! you say, in sex, because we've gotten pretty, pretty, deep. He- pretty deep here, pretty quick. <laughs> pretty quick, yeah. It's easy um, to do. And uh, sex is fun, yes. and, or at least it should be fun. Yes. Um, or fabulous. Or what? Fabulous. <laughs> or fabulous. Yeah. Or fabulous. Um, what is? Uh, some of the the material that you're most excited about teaching to people right now and excited um, about yeah. getting out into the world right well I mean there's like the whole thing about like and for me so the, the, my practice has a lot of layers first we go in and we figure out where you're stuck and what are the layers in the past all the shame and trauma that's holding you back and undoing those layers and we just talked about that like outing shame and, and tools for that um, and then from there um, once you've once you've lowered or gotten rid of a lot of those layers, kind of like peeling the onion, then the next thing would be tapping into the, your vulnerability and really, um, really holding space for other people's vulnerability, which means deep connection, right? So there's a lot of times we have this idea of like the hysterical woman, she's too much, she's too emotional, she's crying, and you know all those things, and the man who can't cry if he does, he's not a man, and really changing our perspective and holding space for people to show their vulnerability. And when you do that in part with your lover or partners and just show all of yourself, all of a sudden you have your connections 10 times deeper. And what does good connection mean? It also means good sex. You cannot have good sex without connection. I mean, maybe you can have some like really distant quickies from a one night stand or maybe not. It's not a quickie, but you have a one night stand with someone that you don't know well and it's great but usually there's some sort of connection that happens and maybe it's a quick connection your body's just instantly aligned or this person's really good at just like accepting you or making you feel safe uh, so clearing the channels and then coming into that deep connection i think is is what makes makes sex like super powerful a whole new world oh my god and we're on a magic carpet we're fucking on a magic carpet <laughs> divine fucking um, so what's some of that stuff that yeah. you're getting into that you're really excited about these days? Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'll explain this one process that I love, which is, which is part of people figuring out, um, who they really are as a sexual being. And this is a side, I mean, connections, its own piece, but, um, there's this thing called the core erotic theme that we use in somatica and sex therapists use this all the time. And it's from this book called the erotic mind, which is brilliant. Yeah. The idea is, no one's going to like this, the way you are as an erotic being is entirely based on your upbringing with your parents. Yes, the things that you're, the way that you want to feel as an erotic being and as an adult is based on um, your mom, your dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever was raising you and what that relationship looked like. And when I say that, it freaks people out because I don't want to think about my parents when I have sex. and so, so, uh, so what the core erotic theme theory does, and I think I, I totally believe it, and it's a really kind of a fun practice to do with people. So what you do, you take your top two or three either sexual fantasies, 
uh, sexual experiences or like the porn that you that you watch, you know, the top three that you're like, that's the hottest thing ever, the hottest thing I ever did or the hottest thing I ever saw or the porn that, you know, your spank bank material or the porn you usually go to. And then you paint the picture. What does that look like? You know, not it's not just like, I like anal porn. It's paint the picture of what's happening there. What's the energy like? Who's involved? Is there multiple people? What's the exchange there? Um, really painting the picture to show in detail what's happening there. And then when you make paint, paint the two to three stories of what's happening there, then you look for the theme of how is it that you want to feel in those scenes? Are you wanting to feel like you're the center of attention? Are you wanting to feel like you're the best? Are you wanting to feel really special? Are you wanting to feel cherished, adored, honored? Um, and, and usually those are like some of the, the top themes. And so usually people can figure that out as they look at those those things there, they can figure out what their theme is. Your theme will be with you forever. You will never change your theme. People who try to change their theme, so they're, they're, the whole thing of like wanting to feel the best and they have shame in that, I, I have shame in wanting to feel the best and I need to stop that, you're not gonna have great sex anymore because that's a part of who you are. And it's based on your upbringing. So a lot of times people want to feel the best because maybe their parents didn't, they were just always hard on them and didn't actually like, didn't actually put them, just tell them that they were great and amazing and lovable and all the good things that they're doing. They're so good. And here's a pat in the back and good job, son or daughter or whatever it is. Um, so, uh, so that's, it's a really, I think a really eye-opening thing to, for people to look at, especially people who don't know what they want in regards to sexuality. Again, coming back to the feeling, like we can want a lot of things, but how do you want to feel when you're connecting with someone? Cause that's, what's important. And that's the sex that you should have sex that makes you feel that way. And if you're not having that sex, you're probably not going to love the sex. Um, and then there's, so that's a theme that doesn't change. There's movies, sexual movies that the theme plays out in. Those change. So um, I'll out my theme. So um, so if I painted most of my pictures of like the sex that I like, most of them involves like a dominant submission, kind of daddy little girl, not like familiar, like he's not like my father, but like daddy, like big, strong, masculine uh, man. And I'm kind of like the submissive little girl mentality. Um, those are most of my movies that I play in. And what I really want to feel is I want to feel taken care of by this person because, well, I don't think my dad's gonna listen to this, <laughs> but, but I mean, emotionally, I don't feel like I, there was a, there were some missing links there in how I was taken care of by him. And so it's playing out in my sex life. And when I don't have sex that fulfills that, it's not that great. And so the people who are feeling like they're having unfulfilling sex, they might just not be having sex that gives them that feeling that they need. So I think that's a big part of that sexual empowerment piece is, to get clear on that. And that also means that your sex is gonna be great and then you'll have more connection. And it's it's really it's been a really helpful tool with my clients and my friends. And it's about asking the right question, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Because what- How do you wanna feel? Yeah, how yeah. do you wanna feel? Not what do you want to have happen, but yeah. how do you wanna feel in this scene? Exactly, and that can change. Because the movies always change. Like I can have a movie that's very slow and connected and tantric and I still feel like I'm being taken care of. Uh, so that's very different from my other one that has like dominance and submission, but it still is giving me the same theme, the same feeling, but the movie's different. What are uh, some of the most common themes that you come across? Feeling special is really big. A lot of people want to feel special or the best. The best is more common for men wanting to feel the best from what I've heard or seen. 
Um, special is really common. Feeling t- cherished, adored, taken care of is really common for women, but there's men that want to feel that too. So there's a lot of different ways that it plays out, but those are like some of the biggest ones. And it, again, think of that. And every, every time I do this exercise with people, they you get this aha moment and they're like, uh-huh, I totally know why. And they think back to their, their childhood and their relationship with their parents. They're like, it all makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and how often is it that we have some of these these core desires um, but we're sexually frustrated and they play out in other aspects of our lives in really mm-hmm. unhealthy ways. Yeah. I seriously believe that so much of the destruction of the world and these people who just don't give a fuck about others and have this very small amount of empathy or they're like, I'm Rex Tillerton, I'm the CEO of mm-hmm. Exxon, like we're going to plow through this native land. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm like, probably has some deep desire from childhood because we all do i'm not i'm not picking on rex but (laughs) but if we satisfy that Mm -hmm. how often is it that we can say wait a second like i don't actually need to have this perverse desire in this other aspect of my life that's playing out and and a lot of times really damaging yourself or your friends or the world around you Mm -hmm. yeah it would be life-changing yeah if these people were able to take the time to even go i mean most people don't even especially those people they're not trying to figure out like why why do I act or think this way? Why do I do way? the way I do? Yeah, I like when when I did a yoga teacher training, we were talking about how there's people who um, are a, a slave to their minds and there's some people who make a mind their slave, like a, you know they control their mind. Those are the people that are the free thinkers who question, like I feel this way, why do I feel that way? Why am I acting this way? Whereas the other people are just like, I feel this way and it is truth. And those people are terrified of going inside and figuring out what is going on, what's the deep wounding, because it's, it's scary. So the brave ones are the ones that are questioning. The brave ones aren't those assholes that are taking over the world. Those ones, those are the, the ones that are terrified. They're the ones with the most fear. Yeah, and if they had more understanding of what was going on and where their wounding was, maybe they'd be a lot lighter and happier. Sunshine one of my uh, favorite questions ever is a question that Tony Robbins asks. And he, he asks, whose love did you crave more as a child your mother's or your father's Mm, yeah that's a good like it's the the hamster wheel running in the brain you're like huh Huh. interesting and then once you figure that out then you can figure out so much more about yourself and why you are the way you are what are the um core questions that you tend to ask your clients Hmm. one of the biggest Or, or or that you would recommend people um would write maybe just even write down themselves yeah. on their own. I think I'm ask I ask every single client um, when you're touching or being touched, where are you? You know, are you in your body or in your head? Or what are the thoughts going on in your head? Because most people have never even considered that. Uh, most people are in their heads and they're not in their bodies. So drawing attention to that, um, I think, is a really important thing to kind of bring them because that's I mean you can you can't have great sex you can't have profound sexual connection and experiences without being in your body it just doesn't happen when we're in our head and we're thinking about all these other things that aren't related to the touch there's there's not really much of a way for us to go to to deep places um, yeah, I would say that that's probably like the biggest thing that I ask with, with people. And my sessions are always just really open ended. You know, again, people come in with one idea of what, what they want to work on. And then we go five million other places because it's just kind of like this. You know, it's a conversation. We just go where we need to go. And then we do use the modality of touch base and what it is that they need. So is it often that someone will come in and say, hey, you know, Amy, this is my issue. And then 
by the end of the session, they realize that that actually wasn't their issue. Usually, yeah, that's usually what happens. Or they'll they'll come with kind of like an idea of what they think it is, and sometimes they'll come with one idea of this is what I think my issue is, and we'll uncover like ten things that are really deep in there that they had no idea was an issue. Um, and you know, usually if they're coming to me, they're already really committed to that work and going on that journey because. They're ready, you know, they're ready, they're done. They're done with this this life of conformity, this life of disconnection, this life of not having good or great sex and just they feel lost or stuck and they're just, they're done with that and they're so ready and it's beautiful to move forward with them. Have you always been good at talking about sex? I get better every day. Yeah. <laughs> just like everything is a practice. Um, I would say when I was younger, so I was wasn't raised with a lot of conversation around sexuality. My mom did, when I was really young, before I was even sexually active, she did kind of make it so that it wasn't a shameful thing. She let me know that when I wanted to have sex, I could come to her for birth control. So that was already like, okay, sex isn't bad. You know, mom approves. And um, and I, I was, I've always had this kind of knack for being some like the kind of go-to for relationship and kind of life advice for people because I'm a total like caretaker, nurture, helper type. And so that's always been a thing. And I think just as time has gone by, I've just had a lot of practice. You know, it, Everything is a practice. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So the people who think that they're not good at talking about sex, they probably just aren't practiced. They probably just don't have a lot of experience. And so for those people, I tell them to start practicing. You know, start with little things and having those conversations with friends or with partners. If you're terrified, start writing, just writing about sex to yourself so that you have a practice of outing that part of you and expressing yourself because it really, it's really all about that. It, I don't think that, and of course, like the shame piece, you know, those are, I think are the biggest things for me. It's just a lot of practice in talking about sex and um, and maybe having sex, but <laughs> that's helpful as well. And um, yeah, and then and then being coming into a place of worthiness and decreasing the shame in your body. Right. How long would you say that that usually takes for clients? The journey. Ooh. They usually come in wanting a quick fix. They're usually like, I hope that I can change this tomorrow. I'm going to come to you one time. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be deep in my body and have five million orgasms. And what I usually show them is uh, it's a journey, just like everything is. We're talking about even orgasm is a journey. So um, it's a process. It really depends on how deep the trauma is, if they are partnered, if their partner is going to kind of assist them on, on the journey. You know, I have a client that has such deep, deep wounding and trauma for years of sexual abuse who, who um, who I is actually moving a lot faster than another client I have who doesn't have such thick trauma because she has a partner who is like just such a warrior. He shows up and he's just like, I am, I, you know, I'm here for you. I will hold this space for and be by your side for as long as you need. What happens a lot when people have a lot of trauma, the partners start to take it really personally. They think that it's something wrong with them. You know, that that um, my my partner doesn't orgasm all the time. It must be something wrong with me. It's my skill. She's not attracted to me or, or he's not attracted to me or whatever it is. It's not about you. It's usually not about you. Maybe, maybe it's a little, like there's not a connection between the two of you or you, you have some underlying resentment that you need to work through to come into a connection. Maybe the way you're touching them isn't the way that their bodies like to be touched. Maybe you learn from porn and you're not going slower than slow and then slower than that. Um, men everywhere, listen to this. Go slower than slow and then slower than that. I, I promise you this will help you. 
Anyway, so he comes, this guy, this this warrior is just, he's just, he's not taking, he knows it's not his. And he knows because he loves this woman, he knows that he, the best thing he can do for her is to just hold that space for her and let her know that any way she shows up, like screaming, crying, uh, whatever it is, he's there for her and he's not going anywhere. And she is making progress. She's, oh my goodness. Like this is what I'm, um, I'm co-teaching a class tomorrow. We're calling it warriors of love uh, because it really takes that. It really takes people to kind of get rid of their own agenda to really fully show up for their partners and to cut and that in turn will make it so that people can have deeper connections. It's hard for people to do. They're all a whole bunch of wounded children. <laughs> what is the connection between screaming, crying, using your voice, mm. and orgasm? Mm. So, we, well, in our bodies, so one of the longest nerve systems that we have is called the vagus nerve. So it connects from the throat to the pelvic floor. If um, someone has a cervix, it connects from the throat to the cervix. So when we scream and moan, uh, it actually is sending vibrating energy down our entire body from our throat to our genitals. So it's not just like hippy dippy bullshit that if we if we make like if we scream during sex that we'll all of a sudden have profound orgasms. It's a real it's a real thing on a physiological level that's happening. So. Um, so yeah, let releasing that the like, sounding really makes it so that the full body vibrates, and then there's it creates this full body connection. When people are having orgasms just in their genitals and they're not making noise, they're not breathing heavily and pulling that energy out of their genitals. The orgasm is a lot lighter; it's not as exciting. But when they're doing the, I'm not going to yell on here, so because this <laughs> is just, a podcast. Just move back from the microphone. Yeah, I was like, ah, I'm not going to do it. I don't, I don't know. I hurt you guys. You have to come to one of my private classes to what's hear the, that. God, what's the movie where they? Uh, the, not Harry and Sally. Man, Harry, Harry, Sally. Uh, Harry yeah. met Sally. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you get that one all the yeah. time. Right? Yeah, everyone knows when she's fake. They're faking orgasms. Yeah, like women can't fake orgasm. Oh, watch not, this. Not, right. Yeah, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, it's just like, yep. Yeah, no, it's definitely possible. Not recommended, but definitely possible. And that's yeah, it's the sounding piece. It's really big. And then. Uh, with the emotional trauma too, if we're doing something that gives us a deep release, if we sound like we scream, we yell, you know, those crygasms of just like fully letting it go, it, 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 it works. Like it really does provide a deep release because again, this vagus nerve, you know, connecting energy from our throat to our, our genitals. And if we have that trauma in our genitals and we really let it out, it's, it's true. It really has less power over us. Most times people have sex. If they are single, they are drunk. Uh-huh. Right? Go or at on, least at least slightly intoxicated. Or at least yeah. slightly intoxicated. Buzzed. But more often than not, you go out to a bar, like, hey, what's up? Right on. <laughs> cool. You want to come back to my place? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, sure. And you're like, you know, and then <clears throat> there's a problem with that because when you're drunk and you get punched in the face, it doesn't hurt as yeah, badly. you're numbed out. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you're having sex, you're also numbed out. Let's go through um, a few, because uh, we've talked about this before, yeah. and, and with a few different drugs um, or alcohol and how in, it affects the body. And how it affects yeah. the body during sex. Yeah, so with alcohol, um, after depending on your body weight, after one or two drinks, actually can increase your ability to feel, you know, you lose your inhibitions and all of a sudden you're not as heady and nervous and you're more in your body. 
Um, and then after that, depending on your body weight, it's kind of all downhill from there. You just start to numb out. Um, and as much as you can want it, you know, you're just like so turned on uh, mentally, you just probably won't feel as much in your genitals. You know, penises don't get as hard and vulvas just kind of don't feel as much. They don't produce as much fluids. Um, and it literally dehydrates you. So, uh, yeah, if you want to be your, like your best sexual self, one to two drinks is your max. And after that, it's you're not going to be a fantastic lover. It's just not really possible unless you fake it. Good luck. Um, cannabis. Uh, so, so the marijuana, I've heard for a lot of women has helped them to tap into multi-orgasmic experiences because, in, in my opinion, and I don't know if this is what they would say, but when you're high, you kind of just have a single pointed focus. You're just focused. You know, that's why people get highly paranoid because they focus too hard on something. Like, they're all watching me. Um, so Did you guys just hear a knock on the door? <laughs> Dude. What? Dude. Freaking out, man. Freaking out. Yeah, so if someone's Dude. touching you. Dude, I was listening to the Joe Rogan episode <laughs> recently. It's Alex Jones is on. It's so intense, bro. You need to listen to this. Yeah, bro. Here, here take it. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the bomb. Let's get, right. let's get higher. Continue. All right. Um, yeah, so if someone's touching you, though, and you're just really having that single point of focus where you're focusing so intensely on something, um, that's kind of what we're talking about in Tantra and all these things and ways to have more profound sexual experiences. Get out of your head and stay on the touch. And then you experience more and feel more. So I, I have heard this more from women than men, though. I don't know if a lot of men have can say that they have a more profound sexual experience with cannabis. I'm sure some of them, but I've heard more for women. I like getting stoned and having sex. Yeah, works for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. That's awesome. I don't, but well, it's, I guess it's the multi orgasmic part because women are have more easily multi orgasmic than men. For men, it's like kind of an uphill um, journey in learning how to have more profound. I have a lot of men in my life who are like, the female orgasm looks so much more exciting than mine. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that is looks like ten times more exciting. Mine's just gonna go. Oh. No, we yeah, we <laughs> lost the biological lotto on that one. <laughs> but you have the potential, right? You do. It's just that it's something that you have to have to learn or relearn. You know, somewhere along the way, it was something that was there for you, but you didn't tap into it, and you kind of lost. And same thing for women. You know, we learn to do that. And for most women, the first time they touch their genitals is not multi orgasmic. So it's their journey, and they figure it out. And not all of them do, of course. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any anything else on weed and alcohol are the two? Oh, can we talk about the illegal ones? I mean, we can talk about whatever we want. Yeah. Oh, cool. Sure. Um, GHB is wonderful for sex, <laughs> uh, but that's illegal. Um, and it, because it's something that kind of like alcohol, you lure, 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 lower your um, inhibitions. Yeah. I mean, really I, the, your body. The, the point of this podcast is to be honest. Okay. And, good. and if we're people take illegal drugs yeah good let's <laughs> be honest that yeah, they do. Well, i'm not i'm okay. not pretending that people listening don't well, let's talk about one of the ones that a lot of people like young people younger or like 20 year olds and well, of all ages like cocaine is not a sexy drug it's some um, it it really it's just i mean it, it erections in cocaine are not good friends vaginal lubrication and cocaine are also not good friends and cocaine is very heady and keep we're so in our heads i mean it's a stimulant right so we're not very connected to our bodies and it helps us numb out you know so it's not the sexiest thing if you again if you're out and about in the bar and you want to go pick someone up and take them home um that's probably not your best aphrodisiac so yeah mm. good luck out there people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good luck party people um all right um 
I mean, there's a million. So many things. What What is, I, I've never taken GHB. Why is oh. that? Uh, GHB was, like, a, what does that do? So it's, it's it was originally, uh, it was originally, it was legal. I think it became illegal in the late 90s or early 2000s. Probably it's not, it's not that long it's been illegal. It was originally prescribed to bodybuilders after they would do like a hard workout that they could um, take this like salty liquid. You only take like a teaspoon. It's a very small dose. And that would help their muscles kind of settle after a hard workout. Um, and and what it does is it actually produces growth hormones. So technically in small doses, it's good for you. It keeps us young and youthful. Uh, but something about the way it works with the, the, the body actually, like you drop into your body, you become more, like you feel more. So like touch and sensuality and sensations, they just are enhanced. It kind of gives you that euphoric um, kind of sensual feeling that like a light doses of alcohol can give you without the other side effects and it only stays in your system for an hour to an hour and a half uh, so it's it actually is a pretty pretty fabulous sexual experience the only thing is that people started abusing it and using it as a date rape drug because it is it, one teaspoon you can still have this great time but it's two teaspoons you could start to pass out and um and you pour it, put it in someone else's cocktail and they won't even be able to pick up on it and uh, for your own personal usage you know people can easily overdose on it so it's something to be really cautious about but um i've had profound sexual experiences on it uh, how about ecstasy ecstasy i think can be hit or miss for people um i've heard for some people that it makes all the touch feel amazing but they can't orgasm uh, I think that's a, also a really common thing that they get a lot of this like intense buildup. And that's great for the people that are just on the journey, I guess, right? So if they're not even like working towards orgasm. Um, but for some people, I've heard that it actually gets in the way of that release. There's something there that, that blocks it. And, and I don't know exactly why that is, but it does make all the touch feel nice. You know, you have more sensation. And um, I've heard that it's it can also be called empathy, right? So you just feel more um, understanding and compassion and connection for another person, which I think is really important when you're touching them, or being touched by them. Right. My my issue with uh, with a lot of the using drugs for sex, though, is that you're not actually getting at any of those core questions yeah. that you can do in a sober state. So you're using them as a crutch mm -hmm. rather than as an enhancer. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's kind of like what we do in society, right? Just put a bandaid on it or just take a pill for it. And instead of like, what's really going on here? How, how do we actually drop into our bodies and come into deep connection uh, and actually do that work? Long-term work? Damn I don't want to work. And right. that, yeah, so the thing about sex, people are like, you know, in relationships, it shouldn't be work that's bullshit i don't know who told you that that it's all easy and that it should all just be sunshine and rainbows the longer you're with someone the more you habituate to them and the more you need to work to like spice things up get excited about them it's just how it goes it doesn't mean that you don't love them or you're not attracted to them it just means that you got used to them and you're dealing with two different bodies and minds who have different needs and desires. You're gonna run into stuff. So yeah, it's gonna be work. I and mean, if you don't like the work, to call it practice. You know, call it practice or repair. You know, you're going into repair with someone, you know, things, you're in some sort of, like you th one person thinks one thing, one person thinks another thing. You need to negotiate. That's the other thing about relationships. They're negotiations. It's just, if you wanna think of, if, if you get upset that you're having to compromise and negotiate, then, you probably shouldn't be, in, you should just only be in a relationship with yourself <laughs> right. because, well, you'll probably still have to do that too with yourself. Yeah, but you're still, but you're not going to get as much out of no. life. And that's just, yeah, that's just how it goes. That's what, you know, we're, we are social creatures, but we have to learn to work with others. Well, on that note, um, let's talk about pussy praising. Pussy because, praising. Because on the, Woo! on our, 
uh, phone call yesterday. You said that's one of the things that you're most excited to yeah, talk I was about like, these days. How many times can I say pussy on your podcast? And you're like, as many as you want. Yes. That's my I, yeah. I am Yoni the Love Warrior. Yeah, Yoni. <laughs> Thank you, Yoni. He's going to change his podcast. I, I'm, I'm thinking about changing the name, the actually. The Yoni the Love Warrior Show. <laughs> Yoni the Love Warrior Show. I bet you get a lot of hits. That's my, yeah. my alter ego. Yeah. The Kyle Chairman Show is a little bland. Yeah. So. <laughs> We're going to Yoni the Love Warrior. <laughs> I mean, I listen in, but <laughs> you might scare away some of your current right. listeners. <laughs> I don't know if it would fully work for you. Uh, what are your favorite podcasts? Oh, this American Life, uh, Radio Lab. <laughs> Yoni the Love Warrior. <laughs> He's a badass. <laughs> oh, I hope you do that. Maybe you should just create a second podcast and that should be your other, your alter ego. And we, <laughs> we can yeah, have a whole different I, twist. I just don't have enough going on. I wanted to create a second podcast. I know, you have Yoni. so much time. Well, I think that when we get into the into the real uh, deep rants, when I tend to go off the rails, that's, that's my alter ego. <laughs> Yoni, Yoni the Love Warrior talking. Exactly. <laughs> you just blame oh, it on Kyle's him. Kyle's just being Yoni right yeah. now. <laughs> don't mind him. Him. Oh my god, that's uh, that's beautiful. I'm just gonna I forever think of you as Yoni the Love Warrior now. So pussy praising. Well, pussy praising. So this is one thing that I teach in my uh, I have a class called Orgasmic Bliss Female Pleasure 101. And this doesn't just apply to pussies, like with cocks like this too. But with pussies, there's a lot of shame, right? There's like the, the shame about smell or about taste or the way they look because in porn, they're all like one color and symmetrical. And so there's a lot of this idea that there's something wrong with them. And, you know, they're all look different. They're all different colors. You know, one labia is longer than the other. Some people, their labias are completely tucked in. Um, some people have a huge clit. Some people, you can barely see their clit at all. It's just all so different. And everyone smells different. The scent is a, is based on usually genetics. Like sometimes there's diet and, and hygiene, of course. Uh, but to a certain degree, we smell a certain way because of who we are. It's in our, it's in our DNA. And so there's a lot of shame there. Um, a lot of women were taught that their pussies aren't pretty or they're, they smell bad. They shouldn't have a smell at all. And if they do, there's something wrong with them. So, and they've had sexual experiences where someone maybe started to go down on them and they're like, can you take a shower? Which is if hygiene, if you're someone, it, it's not a wrong thing, I would say, to, to ask someone if you want to go down on them and they seem like they're a little on the dirtier side. Um, but there's a nice way that you can do it. There's a way that isn't shaming and making them feel bad. You can let them know, like, I love eating your pussy. I love the taste of your pussy. And um, I just really want to get in there. So I'm wondering if maybe we could take a shower together so that I can just, like, really drop in and enjoy. You know, I've been working on a new podcast intro for the show. <laughs> yeah. I think that sentence is going to be it. Perfect. <laughs> that you'll start every single episode dins, with that. Dins, dins. <laughs> Welcome to the Kyle Tierman Show. <laughs> It's perfect. I'm glad we'll change lives. People won't even know what they're getting into. Again. No, that's the Yoni the Love Warrior yeah, intro. Yeah, okay, that's true. That is totally the Yoni the Love Warrior. Hey, so I love eating your pussy. And one other nice thing that pussies like to hear, um, when you're down there, let them know that they taste good. Your pussy tastes so good. I love the smell of your pussy. Or um, your pussy's beautiful. And they also love to hear, I could do this all day. Like, because it gets rid of the pressure, right? There's constantly in our heads, like, am I taking too long? Or are they bored? Or, you know, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? And you tell them, I could, I love eating your pussy. I could do this all day. And I hope they don't hold you to that because that's exhausting. I understand. Uh, but all of a sudden, they just really drop in and let go. The pressure is gone. And they can feel more. And they're not in their heads like, oh, thank goodness. I can just like 
lay here and receive because receiving is so hard. And this applies to penises. Penis penis owners go through the same thing quite often. I'm taking too long. I mean, some of them might not go through that process, but for some, you know, I, I teach this in my blowjob classes, you know, tell, tell the, the person that owns the cock that you're sucking. Like, I love sucking your cock. I could do this all day. And all of a sudden they're like, fuck yes, best blowjob ever. <laughs> enthusiasm it goes it's a big it's a big deal people don't forget to be enthusiastic about cock sucking and pussy looking and everything in life really actually everything yeah Yeah. fuck yes (laughs) yoni the love warriors (laughs) so passionate (laughs) oh god yeah praise the pussy people okay um, any, anything else on that? I know that you need to wrap up uh, relatively soon, but anything else on the pussy praising? Because um, I, yeah. I do think that is, that's An the core, thing. that's yeah. the core theme, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's being able to give and receive. Yeah. 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 And, and I wouldn't say equally because then we'll get to in our heads like, well, you gave to, for 20 minutes. No, I have to give to you for 20 minutes. Like we don't want to, we don't want to do that, but really just regarding. Start, start the timer. Yeah, go. Ready, go. There are actual practices. There's a practice called orgasmic meditation, also known as oming, where you literally set a timer for 15 minutes and um, one person mis- or lightly touches the clitoris very slowly, slower than slow and then slower than that people. And it's for 15 minutes and there's no goals you're just touching it to see what happens and um and to give give pleasure and i think that for for goal oriented people if you need a goal just make it pleasure i'm gonna pleasure you and i'm gonna receive pleasure and not orgasm you know or like you know just not not being set on this one big event just on making each other feel good and then you get all this yummy stuff and the pressure's gone there's a lot of if someone doesn't have an orgasm you know for the women who are struggling with having orgasm maybe struggle is the wrong word but are feel like it's hard for them to a lot of it's because they feel pressured they feel like their sex has failed if they didn't have an orgasm and all of a sudden their partner feels like they're a failure now they're worried about their partner and like oh my god i'm a failure and my partner feels like a failure because i didn't come and it keeps them from dropping in their bodies and being able to tap into that orgasm when all of a sudden if you switch it around and the partner that's touching them is like you know I would love for you to have orgasm, but if you don't, I just want to make you feel good. And I'd feel totally great to just be here of service for you and to give you whatever pleasure that you desire. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, the weight off my shoulders. Like I can just be and feel. And then all of a sudden they're having 5 million orgasms. (laughs) I mean, not always, but really the pressure, pressure and arousal are not friends. Pressure and desire, pressure and orgasm. They do not go hand in hand. Pressure. Pressure. What do you know Under about pressure? <laughs> There's Yoni the Love Warrior for you, everyone. Praising the pussy. Um, what else? I know that you got to... Um Move on, move, move on, move yeah. On, move on with with uh, your day, but yeah, um, yeah. Let's. Well, I mean, praising the pussy is, is yeah is one of my 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 biggest things, and eradicating shame. You know, if someone asked me what I was put on this earth to do, it's really to get rid of, um, help people get rid of shame around sexuality, and praising the pussy is part of that. You know, helping people to get rid of that shame that was given to them was never theirs. You know, it was never theirs, and. Um, it just helps helping to empower people so we can build each other up. You know, we live in this society where like taking other people's stuff so personally and we're not supporting each other. We're really just, it's just, if we all just came into a place of honoring each other uh, as opposed to comparing, or, you know, comparing ourselves to another person, taking their stuff personally, things would just be so much more beautiful our connection, our sex, everything. Just really go about it and just honor each other and really 
Um, and or even if you're touching yourself, really just regard this as like a really, really beautiful thing, a really beautiful act of celebrating and honoring. And it's not just like two bodies fucking, you know, I mean, if, yeah, if you like fucking and you don't identify with um, making love or what I like to call divine fucking, ooh, how about that? That makes it sounds a little more spicy. Um, you can still honor and fuck. Like there's That's divine fucking right there, right? It still is like, wow, you're sharing your body with me. That is such an honor. Like it really is. It really is such a vulnerable, beautiful thing. What an honor. Now let's fuck. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, on a serious note, I know that we've been joking a ton on this podcast, but it is such important work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it's it's such a like, fan. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love as much as I can get the word out there and just help inspire people. You know, I'm, I'm not like... I'm not some magic guru. I'm kind of just just someone that helps to make people feel safe and normalize it because everyone has this like this this ability that I have in me to speak about sexuality. Everyone has it. They're just most of them have a lot of shame or out of practice and maybe not as passionate about it, which is totally fine. But um, yeah, everyone everyone has it within them. It's really 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 powerful work. So thank you. Where can people get in touch with you? So many ways. Um, well, the adult store I own is called Pure Pleasure. It's here in Santa Cruz. So. Um, if you want to find out more about that, you can go to purepleasureshop.com. And I own it with my mom. So we're cute. Mother, daughter, dildos. Woo! And <laughs> I also have my own website that's called sexandpleasured.com, which is more about my coaching practice, the sex ed classes that I teach. Um, you could also find me on Facebook and Instagram if you looked up Amy Baldwin and saw a kind of curly hair blonde girl with a big smile. That's me. So had <laughs> me down and don't send me creepy messages, but just if you, but I'll talk to you. I love, I love connecting with people. Like connect to me as a real human and I will connect with you. Connect to me as if I'm a piece of me. I will not be connecting with you. I'm a human. You're a human. Let's connect. Thanks so much for taking Respect. the time. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. This has been really fun. I'm really, um, really honored to be here. And I'm really glad you're doing this work as well. Yeah. Grateful to have you. Wee. What a fun podcast. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. If you like this show, please take two minutes and give it a rating on iTunes. Really helps me out. And if you want to say hello, if you want to join my weekly newsletter, if you want to donate to my show, head over to my website, kyle.surf. This is Yoni the Love Warrior, signing off. <laughs>